All right, I think we can all agree that every new investor struggles with the same issues. They're out there talking to motivated sellers, they're finding deals, but they're unsure of how to comp these properties and how to determine what they are worth or what the ARV is. There's a tremendous amount of anxiety trying to figure out how to find the after repair values. Now, we all know that in order to make a great offer on a property, you have to start with the end in mind, meaning you really should know the ARV or the after repair value of the property before you can discount it and subtract your repairs and or wholesale fee to get your perfect offer amount. Well, if you're like me and you're not a licensed real estate agent, it's difficult to get access to your local MLS without asking your agent or bugging your buddies who are licensed all the time to run those comps for you and generate those estimated values. Well, not to worry. There's a company out there that can grant you MLS access to view and comp properties nationwide. I want you guys to go to dpipodcast.com forward slash comps, and you can even get a free 14-day trial to test it out for yourself. Now, not only can you use this company to get comps and generate ARVs for these deals that you're finding, but you can also use it to help you find out how much the property owner owes on the property so you're not overpaying. Did I mention that you can use this company to also pull lists of motivated sellers? When I do marketing, I'm looking for vacants, absentee owners, high equity, pre-foreclosure, and many, many more reasons that the owner might be motivated. These guys can help you generate these lists so you can market them accordingly. I like, the, I like to mail them and also skip trace them so my team can call or text them. Again, if you're having problems getting comps, I want you guys to go to dpipodcast.com forward slash comps to get access to a 14-day free trial so you can run your own MLS comps and even use this company to pull your own list of motivated sellers. I use them to run my comps and to pull my list. If you're not using them, you are absolutely missing out. So check them out today dpipodcast.com forward slash comps for more information. Thanks for listening to the Discount Property Investor Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please like, share, and subscribe to help us reach a wider audience. To jumpstart your real estate investing career, please visit freewholesalecourse.com, the most complete free course on wholesaling real estate ever. We would also appreciate it if you left us a review on iTunes or Stitcher. Thank you in advance for your support. And remember, you make your money when you buy and you get paid when you sell. Now let's go build some wealth. All right, guys, welcome back to the Discount Property Investor Podcast. Your host, Mike Slane, joined with co-host... David Dodge, how you guys doing today? I'm doing great, David. How about yourself? I'm how great, are you doing? man. I'm doing awesome. Good, good. I'm excited. Today's episode's about tenants and toilets. Tenants and toilets. My two favorite things. Boring, and what does that have to do with <laughs> wholesaling, you're going to ask yourself. Well, here's Woo! the thing. We are There's a lot to do with wholesaling, actually. It does. We are in our deep dive here on the Burr method or the Burr strategy. We are in the, what is the second R? Uh, buy, well, no, buy, rehab, rent. We are in the rent section. Second R of the Burr strategy. You're point. missing an R up here too, buddy. 
Yeah, I know. It's fine. Okay. <laughs> That's the repeat. It's no That's big deal. That's the repeat, deal. right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we are in the second R, which is the rent stage, and we're talking about uh, renting out our properties. Uh, our normal focus is on wholesaling, uh, but again, we're doing but then a little... But it connects. Yeah, it circles back. So absolutely. let's talk a little bit about the birth strategy, guys. What is the birth strategy? Buy, renovate, rent out, refinance, repeat. It is an aggressive rental portfolio Acquisition. acquisition strategy mm -hmm. basically okay and we've done so why is it aggressive though explain we'll that real that. quick because it's it's important and it's the it's one of the reasons why we like it yeah it's an aggressive strategy and wholesale we're going to tie this back to wholesale in one sec but essentially it's aggressive strategy because we are taking a relatively small amount of money let's say maybe a couple hundred thousand okay um, that we are using to buy four five six seven properties at a time renovate those properties re, uh, rent them out and then go to the bank and refinance with a with a with a loan that essentially pays back all of the initial investment and sometimes even a little bit more um, so we can take that same money and keep flipping it over and over again so as little as maybe uh three hundred thousand we could we're going to buy 150 houses over the next two years with those with about 300 grand uh, maybe a little more here, a little more there, or a little less there, but it doesn't little, matter. It's a little less when you think about it. And here's well, like if you think did them be quick and yep, quickly, and you start accumulating the rentals, so you start accumulating rental income. Mm. So that is why it's always less, in my opinion. And it's, it's always going to be it speeds up if you exactly if you do it properly. It grows at an exponential rate. Love it. Even better way. So to again, say tying it. it back into wholesaling, Dave. I'll, I'll let you finish that. Yeah. So there. how does birth strategy have anything to do with wholesaling? Well, you always want to buy your rental properties at a discount, mm -hmm. and the best way to buy a property at a discount, regardless of your exit strategy, is to get it directly from the seller. And the cool thing about wholesaling is we keep the best ones for ourselves. Hence, we use the birth strategy, or we'll rehab those. And then what we don't like, we'll wholesale off. So wholesale to us is a profit center. It's a money maker, but it's also a job, which means to mm -hmm. me, it needs to be, there needs to be a means to an end to it. So my means to an end is, hey, let's do marketing, get a bunch of uh, direct communication with our motivated sellers, and then we can cherry pick the discounted properties that we get that we like and keep them and do what we want with them. And then we'll wholesale the difference. So we have an exit on even the junk that we don't want. So learn how to get good by going direct to the seller. We actually built a course on that, didn't we? We did. What's, I the, believe, what's the link? I believe it's called the free wholesale oh, course. Oh, that's right. So freewholesalecourse.com, guys. If you haven't checked it out, we encourage you to do that pretty much every episode because we're that proud of it. And we've had and we've had a, uh, almost 5,000 people take the course. So you tell know, us they liked it. We've had so. a lot of positive feedback. So we're really happy to, to, to give back and share some of the things that we've learned. But again, today we're talking about tenants and toilets, so this is uh, part of an episode series that we're doing mm -hmm. on, um, on, on the, the birth podcast, strategy. On the podcast. Right. On the birth strategy. That's, That's right. right. So uh, what, what, why tenants and toilets? One of my favorite sayings about rental properties is like the old landlords complaining, oh, tenants, toilets, and taxes. Those yeah, are the, can't get around the three, from that. The three T's, man. The three T's of rentals. The tenants, toilets, and taxes. They're all you know, a pain in my backside. So that's, uh, again, why I like to call it tenants and toilets, because taxes are unavoidable. You're going to have to pay them. Yes, you can uh, peel the assessed value and try to get a lower tax rate, but you're going to have to pay those taxes or eventually the government's going to come and take that property. So tenants and toilets, these are two things you can control. 
uh, in your rental portfolio more than uh, many of the others. The tenants you can control via uh, tenant screening and uh, selecting your tenants and the toilets or the maintenance you can control via the quality of your rehab and uh, the people that you choose to do your rehabs for you and to do your repairs for you. So that's why we dive into tenants and toilets because those are two things you can control in your rental portfolio. So how do you control your tenants in your toilets? Well, one, you can screen good tenants. That's right. And toilets really refers to all things maintenance in all my things opinion. Maintenance. Oh, yeah. you, can, um, you can do good renovations in the get-go, not half-ass those projects. Um, you can also use techniques that we like to refer as tenant proofing, meaning using certain types of materials that will last longer and be more durable. So that's some of the things that we're going to talk about as well in this episode. Great. <laughs> this episode's going to be good. Right. Chock full of tips. So in the last episode, we talked about some of these things, and we're going to talk about a few of them again here. Uh, one is how do you select your tenants? How do you screen your tenants? So uh, first off, you get your rental property finished. We've finished our rehab. Uh, we've got it through our occupancy inspection here in St. Louis, and you are going to start advertising the property for sale on sites like Zillow. Uh, you're going to claim the property. Facebook Marketplace. Facebook Marketplace, hugely powerful. Craigslist. Craigslist, cozy.co. You can put it up there as well. Yep. And uh, what was the other one you mentioned, Dave? Is my house something, my cash house? My smart move. My smart move. I mean, man, I was really throwing you you're off. Close on that. On that I was one, really right? throwing yeah. you off. Samsonite. <laughs> man, I was way off. That's right. Yeah, so again, you can use sites like that to advertise your property, to uh, do some light tenant screening. Uh, those services are all three of those uh, provide tenant screening where they go on, apply through them, and uh, you can run criminal background check. You can run a credit report, and it kind of gives you an up or down on most of them. Uh, most of those services. Yes, they make it really easy. They Some of these services actually give you a thumbs up or a thumbs down, mm-hmm. which is great because if you're not good at analyzing numbers and, the, and they give you a score of, you know, 1320, like, well, what, where's the scale start? Where does yeah, it end? Like, mean? just tell me if it's a good tenant or not. And they make it real easy for you, which yeah. is cool. Yeah, so they're hugely helpful. Uh, what else are we going to talk about with screening our tenants? So showing properties. I mentioned on the last one, I like to set up a showing day. So once I advertise my property, people call in and they say, hey, can I, when can I see it? I like to set up three or four people on the same day. Uh, I like to go over there and I bring a flyer and I sh- say, hey, here is when we can meet. If you can meet then, great. If not, we'll have to meet the next time. I've got three other people in line. Uh, so again, that's, it's pretty important too to get uh, get everybody in there because it creates, like Dave mentioned before, yeah, a sense, sense of urgency, guys, mm-hmm. that you want to keep... Uh, that this property's in demand. Yeah, again, it's you want to keep it quick. It's a freshly rehabbed house, which again, tenants don't always get to move into. You know, I mean, you think about somebody who's renting, oftentimes they're not able to you know, they can't buy a house. They can't buy a new house. So a freshly rehabbed house is pretty cool. And again, you can you can charge a little bit more rent, uh, but it is. It's a desirable product, hopefully, that you're putting out there for your tenants. So again, you want to create that urgency, uh, get them out there. So screening the tenants. So when you meet them, though, that's your first chance to... to... Oh, look in their cars. Okay, I didn't even get it. Love I've that one. That's my favorite. That look in their car. The car usually somebody's car is a good... Is a good um, a good way to kind of peek into their life. I mean, think of it this way, guys. I mean, most people's I'll living. Where you're going with this? I like. Most it. people's living rooms look like their cars. So mm. if there's just shit and trash everywhere, then that's how your house is going to look like if they move in. First thing I always do is look in their car. 
I love it, man. That's a great, great idea. Next, um, I wish I would have known that or thought of that when I was dating my current wife. Ooh, yeah. <laughs> she, you know, loves right. stuff everywhere. I'm a, I'm more of a throw it away. Clean yeah, it up. I like right. the simplistic, empty everything. You know, so nothing simple. on the shelf. So simple. Right? Nothing on the shelf. Simple. Nothing on the wall. Right. Floor boring. Yeah, look in the car, man. That is the best way to. I've literally um, taken people's applications, and you know, before they even gone gone, I had basically rejected them from uh, sorry from um, properties just because of the trashiness and the lack of respect that they had for their their own own possessions, let alone my possessions. Yeah, so that's that's cool because people. Definitely, they take better care of their stuff than they will someone else's. That's just human nature, right? In general, so yeah, that's, that's cool. Crazy I like thing, that. Right? Look at the look at the car. I, I've not heard that one before, and I really mm-hmm. like it, Dave. Thank you for that tip. You're welcome. Yeah. Man. Look in their car. Uh, next is well, again, um, just how they present. ask them if they own a vacuum machine. This is a tip that I've gotten from uh, from a from a buddy who owns a bunch of properties, 150 plus properties. Ask if they own their own vacuum machine. Simple question, you wouldn't think to ask that, but if they don't own a vacuum machine, imagine how the floors are gonna look after 30 days, let alone 60 or 90 days, man. I'm gonna digress here a little bit, and that's a really good good pointer, but you call it vacuum machine, not vacuum cleaner? Oh, whatever. <laughs> well, no, I'm just... Yeah, it could be anything. I mean, shoot, I, ha- I own three or four different types of vacuums, mm-hmm. small ones. Machine vacuum. Machine. I usually I like will it. say cleaner, but like you know, no, ask I them like if they it. have some sort of a vacuum. That's it. You know, I like I like vacuum machine. I'm machine. Start saying that yeah, from vacuum now machine. Yeah, vacuum see if they machine. have one. But if again, if they don't have one, look at the big picture here, guys. If they don't own a vacuum, that means one of two things: one, they're hiring somebody to come clean their house, which Pretty is unlikely. probably not happening, mm. or two, they're not cleaning their house, Gross. and that's okay. Uh, to know, but you don't want to encourage that behavior in your rental property. So uh, just ask if they own it. Uh, another thing that we don't do, but I would love to start doing down the road, and again, uh, this friend that has a ton of properties does, is they sign all their leases in the current residence or the current uh, place that the tenant is staying. They almost require it, unless unless it's like almost impossible. But Basically, why they do that is, again, they want to come into your home for a minute to see how you are treating it, how you're respecting it. And if they go out there to sign a lease and there's stuff everywhere and the carpet's torn up, right then and there, they may decide that this isn't a good fit. So that's that's a more advanced strategy, I would think, is actually signing the lease in the current resident of the place because that's a hard thing to scale. However, yeah, interesting. however, that also creates better tenants that stay longer. If they invite you into their home, you're building rapport. I, was say, I feel like most tenants that didn't have a clean or a decent looking house currently would probably say, I'm not interested. So I think that's kind of I'm a not self- interested in having you out to yeah, my house. I think the that's lease. a self uh, self selecting. You defeat type yourself. Thing. Yeah. There. Yeah. You, yeah. You, 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 you select yourself out. Yeah. You yeah, screen yourself out. Right, that's that's interesting. Too much coffee, man. Yeah, both of us. <laughs> we're all jacked up today. What's uh, what's that? Uh, we're all jacked up like spider monkeys. That's right. Or, you know? <laughs> or no, I'm gonna come at you like a spider monkey. I'm all jacked up. So that's a good. Do. That's a good point, though, guys. Look in their cars. 
Ask them if they own vacuum cleaners or vacuum machines. Vacuum we machine, love the baby. vacuum machines. Mm-hmm. Um, advanced strategy there would be tell them that you're happy to sign a lease with them. However, you like to see current living conditions. So if you're if they're okay with you coming to their property anytime in the next few days for 10 minutes to sign the lease at, at their kitchen table, that they can have the property, and again, they're gonna they're gonna opt out of that, and that's that's you that's helping if they're you. Mistreating their property, yeah, if they're mistreating they're more their property, likely to and if they're not, out. that's even better. If they say, "Great, I would love for you to come meet my my dog." Oh, okay, cool, I'm cool with dogs, but mm-hmm. there's gonna be a deposit, and you just you work through those things, you know. But that's a that's a really couple good tips there. Yeah, those are awesome. Man. So that's some of the things that we do in screening the tenants um, before the application or during the application. But there's also screening the tenant on the application. So what are some of the things that we're looking for on an application that may not mean that they are a good tenant? Well, if they have a lot of previous addresses and they didn't stay in those addresses for a full year or several years, if they're bouncing around, well, for one, I don't really want a tenant that I know is going to move out in 12 months. You know, 50% of them are. Yeah, it's but if I if pain. I can get a tenant to stay for two or three, or in, I've had tenants stay five years in some certain properties, uh, then you don't have to deal with the turnover and typically less maintenance too because they're not moving in and out and tearing things up. Uh, so things that you want to look for in an application would be a low, low number of previous addresses and long terms on those. You also want to look for evictions. Have they had any evictions? You want to see what their credit looks like. Do they have good credit? Is it mediocre? Is it, is it bad? Those are definitely decisions that you want to make or look at when making your decision on if they're going to be a tenant. And last but not least, uh, maybe check the criminal. I personally don't care if they have, you know, DWIs or, or weed charges or whatever it might be. But, you know, if they have a prior rape on there or something along those lines, you know, the neighbors aren't going to be, you know, very happy with that. And mm-hmm. I might own houses in that neighborhood even. So at that point, you're like, uh, maybe not a good fit. So you just want to look at the criminal history. You want to look at the credit. And again, look at all those things. One thing I'd highly recommend, mm. which um, I've done in the past, I, I can say this with, with full truth and honesty, I've done this every time I've, I've dealt with a tenant, is I've called the references and or previous landlords. And, you know, it's, it's probably not that hard for a tenant to give you a bullshit reference, but I would try to ask questions that people wouldn't typically ask. Um, just to kind of make sure that those were those were things that uh, made sense. So, for example, if it was a high school friend or a college friend, you know, I would say, how long have you owned that person? And, you know, have you ever let this person sleep over at your house or, or stay the week or the weekend? You know, how'd that experience go? And they, usually I'll make it funny and start laughing with mm-hmm. them, you know. But then they'll kind of start to tell you, like, yeah, he's super clean and a neat freak. And it's like, great, that's what I'm looking to hear. Mm-hmm. Versus, oh, yeah, he stole my sweater. Yeah. Well, it's like, okay, I'm probably out. not going to. out on my couch. Yeah, I'm probably leave. not going to, like, put this application at the top of my stack. I'm not saying that doesn't work for me. But if I have better opportunities, I'm not going to, you know, look elsewhere. So Perfect, man. Don't forget to screen the application, screen the person. Lots of ways to do so that. And I... there's actually tons of tips out there. Um, yeah, one of my things is they always people always freeze up when they say you're going to run a credit check and criminal background. And I always say, listen, and I tell them just kind of what Dave said is, I don't really care about. I have DWIs and weed charges on my record. Well, I don't say that, but I say I'm not looking for an I angel. Mean, anyone I can just look don't it up. Want, I'm yeah, not I don't hiding want, it. I don't it want violent crimes, and I'm not looking for perfect credit. I just want somebody that uh, you know can pay the rent. I That's went to pretty college, much guys. I'm guilty. Right. I did go to college. <laughs> okay. So with that being said, 
you know, some of these things that you're that you find on there, like maybe they had a bankruptcy 12 years ago. It's probably not even going to show up for one. But two, it's like, you know, things happen to people in their lives and, you know, new chapters open and old chapters closed. Well, tenants. So I'm not necessarily looking for things to pick them out, but I am looking for what I like to call red flags. I think that's a better way to word it. You know, things happen to people and that's okay. You know, our goal is to provide sound quality housing at a good price for a profit. All right. We're not doing this for free. But at the same time, we do care about our tenant because if we care about our tenant, they then care about our property and they care about wanting to remain a tenant. So there's a lot of things that go into this that, you know, that you've got to consider. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, very well said. Yeah, I mean, you definitely keep your keep your tenants happy, keep the properties up. Uh, it's, a, it's a win-win relationship, hopefully, going forward. Cool. So let's that. jump forward, guys. This is the Tenants and Toilets Talk, all mm-hmm. right? We're talking about advertising your properties. We talked a little bit about that. Showing those properties. You know, you want to screen the person. You want to screen the application. So that comes into screening those proper, the, or the, the tenants and the properties and whatnot. Next is managing those tenants. So let's say that you get all the way to the point where you give somebody an application and they fill it out and they pay the... 30 to $50 fee to run all the credit and everything else, and you decide it's a great deal. You may or may not go to their house to sign the lease, but the lease is signed, you've collected your security deposit and your first month's rent. Then at that point, you give them access to the property and you have to set some expectations. Mike, tell us a little bit about what you do next after you sign a lease and give them the keys. Absolutely, so I used to have a it was called a tenant's uh, rule or tenant guide checklist or a walkthrough list. Yep. So I had, uh, it was a whole thing and it basically was just rules of conduct. Like you have to have quiet hours after certain hours because I don't want the cops called. Yeah, make it simple. Uh, so I usually provide them a sheet with the utilities, mm-hmm. names and numbers. And then like you said, you know, best practices or guidelines, mm-hmm. you know, we are not okay with you having a party at four o'clock in the morning. Mm-hmm. However, if you want to have a barbecue at four o'clock in the afternoon, that's all good. Mm-hmm. You know, we're not telling you that you can't live your life, but you need to follow some certain guidelines. And a lot of that, I like love that. Mike. You want to have at the time of the lease signing, you want to kind of go over this paperwork with them and the expectations. So you also want to provide them with your contact info. How do they get a hold of you, or who do they contact when there is a problem with the property at two in the morning? If if it's an emergency, yeah, call. If it's non-emergent, wait till the next day. Yeah, you that's a make, good point too. Because if the pipes of- are broken and they're going full throttle and it's 3 a.m., we want you to call. Yeah, we want you to take care of it. Yeah, figure it out. Right then and there. Call me, call, call emergency plumber if you have right, to. Right, absolutely. Right. So yeah, managing the tenants, you just want to set some expectations. Um, in our, um, in our um, companion course that we're going to be launching soon, that's a companion to these episodes, Mm-hmm. Um, of the birth strategy, we're going to be providing some some example material on what you can provide. And again, it's keep it simple though. Here's the utility companies. Here's a copy of your lease. Here's my contact information, and then here's just some general best practices slash guidelines. That's what I would so recommend. What I also would say is you're gonna you're establishing a relationship with these people. So you've already you know you met them at the property, but now you you've got more of a working relationship. And at this point, they've moved. They're moving into the property. And in a couple of days, maybe a week or two, I would call out, I'd be more proactive and say, how's it going? Is there anything with the property that needs to be addressed? And this is another thing I say is I would tell them at move-in, please make a list of any issues you have with the property. Yeah, don't forget to take pictures before you let them move in. So like if you're going to sign the lease there with them, take pictures that day. I mean, interrupt you. This is really important though. Or just 
while you're showing the property, take a bunch of pictures, guys. You can take 100. I took 150 pictures of a property that I'm wanting to buy just this morning. And like, I may not even buy it. Like, just take a lot of pictures, all the angles, every little thing, and just throw it in a Google Doc or a Google Drive or a Dropbox, or you can use free softwares and free apps. Just do it. And the reason is, is because, and take more, take a lot. The more, the better. The reason is, is when the tenant moves out and you put together a list of all those repairs, you can look at your photos to say, hey, was this already kind of broken or, or you know, screwed up prior? Or was this a fault of the tenant? And the reason is, is A, if you have to ever go to court for any reasons, you have evidence and proof. But two, you can justify sending somebody a bill for 800 to 1500 to two grand for the repairs if you have the before and after photos. It's, it's impossible to prove it. You can't do that. But if you can prove it, so not only is it good to have a walk, a checklist for walking through the property upon leasing and them exiting the property, but also add to that photos. Yeah, that's, that's my point. That's really good, man. Yeah, I, I just, I wanted to get that in. You know, and I, we just kind of skipped over that because I just assume with the marketing of it, you have your pictures. We don't even state it. So that's a good very, point. You can double, important. you can use those for very multiple important. things. That's a yeah, really get, good point too, Mike. Pictures. So what I was talking about though, uh, once they move in, there's going to be issues with the property. A newly rehabbed property, I'd say one in three or four of them, there's a couple things that our guys missed. You know, like maybe a, a plumbing pipe is loose or leaks a little bit, or, you know, the washing machine wasn't hooked up right, or the AC tube is leaking or whatever. So just tell them, make a list, and we'll get somebody out there to take care of any issues with the property. You know, and that way, again, you're kind of getting ahead of that maintenance. You're telling them, hey, you want them to be happy with the property, and you're a landlord who wants to maintain that property. So again, these are all things you want to set the expectation that it's it's going to happen. The other thing on managing tenants, and this is something I personally have not done. Uh, after a few years, I turned over my properties to a manager, but it's set up annual inspections. Uh, an annual inspection, even if the, they move out or not, you're saying keep them, even if they're no there, matter what. Yeah, yeah, yep. yeah. And that's some a people, really, really good. Thing some to people do. do it more frequently. I think that once a year, getting inside the property is plenty. Uh, just to, again, to evaluate the property and say we're, we're checking for maintenance issues that need to be addressed and et cetera, et cetera. You don't want to leave a tenant in a property for 5, 10, 15 years if they are a hoarder or are doing things that are destroying your property. I mean, you, you just don't, you don't know what's going on in there if you're not in there. So have your property manager or do it yourself. Once a year, you want to get out there and meet your tenants and see in the property and again, as a landlord, you have that right. You want to put that in the lease that uh, you have the ability to do that. Uh, again, and sometimes you need to give them, you know, 24 hours written notice, I think is, is what it is, or uh, posted notice. Uh, so again, you want to make sure that you are managing your tenants and managing your properties, keeping them up. Uh, we also like to do a drive-by of the exterior, make sure the outside of the We do that probably once a month we, at this point. Now, once we grow, it's going to be tough, but there's three of us. Plus, our guys doing maintenance. Whenever they go out to do maintenance, have them switch, have them take a couple pictures, mm -hmm. and teach your maintenance guys how to use like Google Photo. It's so simple. It's free. It's in the cloud, and they can send you a link, and then we'll throw that in our CRM, and we'll date it. And that way, you know, after you have the property for ten years, you may have 10, 15, 20 different times where you went there and took photos. So we're always taking photos of these properties. Didn't mean to interrupt. No, that's good for pro, a lot of reasons. It's good for a lot of reasons yep. too. Uh, you ever get audited? You can say, "Hey, listen, I was at the property on this, this day." day. And, yeah, here's my know, photo to prove it. Right? Yeah, there's Great a lot point. of a lot of good reasons to to do that. Uh, so let's talk about uh, what's up. We talked about managing tenants. So now we'll talk a little bit about collecting rent. So the old-fashioned way of collecting rent, obviously, was you know your landlord came a knocking and was asking for cash. 
the another way is checks is people writing checks for their rent well that's a little bit old school and not everyone is doing that anymore the easier way is what I would say is using an online service like cozy.co or Zillow rental manager or Dave you're gonna have to say it again for me my uh, smart move my smart move uh, you can set up the tenants in a little portal and they can pay their rent every month online and it goes it pulls directly from their account deposits directly in yours saves everybody a little bit of headache uh, you can all see it there's a log of it there's no checks lost in the mail so that's our preferred way we actually were working on making it required for all of our tenants to do ACH direct deposits and uh, that's something we're, we're working with our property manager to push all the tenants to do that just because collecting rent uh, can be an issue if you don't have a system in place so we want to make sure they collect they, they pay the rent on collecting rent and we touched on this in the last episode we'll touch on it again because I think it's super important if for whatever reason a tenant is behind on rent uh, after the second or third day you want to call them say hey I noticed we didn't get your rent yet uh, what's going on you want to know if that rent's not coming in and you want to know when you can expect it so with that said on the 10th day you let them know that you have to start filing the eviction process because they didn't pay their rent period there's no there's almost no exceptions to that we literally file on anyone who does not pay the rent by the 10th no exceptions we have to collect the money uh, this is uh, pretty important uh, next up Dave let's talk about problem tenants this one we could probably talk about for quite some time yeah that's okay so how do you deal with problem tenants this is you know it's it's, it's really situational very you situational know, depend, depending on what's yeah, going so on so at this point we have a property manager doing it for us and that's what we recommend you do so you don't have to deal with it again we like to deal with the property uh, we have them deal with the people. But if you are in the stage where you're managing your own, we've been there. I'm still d dealing with a couple tenants. Uh, no big deal. Um, but some tenants are going to be easier than others. Know that going into it. Some are going to be a huge pain in the ass. Some you're going to have to kick out. Okay? Know this going in. Don't let this be a surprise. When the tenant quits paying, you got to kick them out. All right? It's going to happen. Mm -hmm. The more properties you have and the longer you've been doing it, the higher chances that you're going to have to do this and more frequently. Okay, so dealing with tenants. Again, these are people, but this is also a business. So you have to be careful that you're dealing with, you know, you're doing this properly, but you also have to make sure that they know that this is a business to you. So, you know, Mike, you said earlier, you know, you need to be kind of objective and you need to be stern with these people um, in certain areas, but at the same time, they are human beings. So you wanna treat them with respect. So I like to handle all my all my tenant issues just kind of one at a time. You know, what's the problem? How can I help you? Let's solve it together. That's the mindset that I usually have. Or I'll ask the tenant if they have a solution. And oftentimes the tenant's solution is a cheaper, quicker, instant solution than what I might suggest. Right? They mm. might cost less to put a piece of plywood over some over a broken window for three months then do something that I was going to do that would have been dumb. Like, you know, like I would, that's the tenant would may have suggested that, mm -hmm. you know what I'm saying? So oftentimes I say, Hey, thanks for letting me know what's going on. Let's address this together. Do you have any suggestions and see what they do? Otherwise you can run with it and you want to just make sure that you keep the integrity of their household, their safety in mind right if they have a broken door or a broken window that's probably a little bit more high priority 
than a sink, than a sink that's dripping, right? So you wanna prioritize those things. Um, you also wanna let your tenants know that there will be a fee or a cost associated with maintenance, okay? You're happy to come over and fix those things, but you wanna be able to let, you wanna set the precedent kind of from the beginning and or the expectations that it's not okay for them to call you every day with every little thing, the door's rubbing, the carpet's got nails poking through it, the doorknob's loose. Okay, well, that's fine. That's, that's These are simple problems that we can address one by one. However, you know, it's there's a cost associated with me coming out, okay? So that's one of the ways I like to do it. Some property managers, they don't necessarily charge the tenant, but they're gonna charge the owner of the property to deal with those things. So I like to set it up to the beginning to let them know that there will be a charge. Um, and again, it's not a big charge, maybe 30 bucks. But think of it this way. If um, something that they can fix for 30 bucks on their own um, is pretty easy to do, don't you think that they're gonna wanna just go do that and not deal with having somebody walk through their property at a certain time of day that they have to be aware of, right? Mm -hmm. So what it does is it eliminates all the little knickknack stuff from them calling and bothering you with. And you tell them, you know, if I come out and it is a real reason, maybe I won't even charge you a service call. But if I'm coming out for some petty little BS item, I'm yeah, charging. So, and that's and exactly. So I think there's a clear line. So I waive the fee a lot too. Yeah, there's a difference between uh, a hole in the roof or the AC going out or whatever versus like David a window a that rubs exactly. or blinds that are that are that aren't or going a, up a all the way. A tree that is blown in the wind and scratches the window. Like, right. that is on you. you right. Know? Like, it, Screens are broken. Yeah. yeah, certain things are not a big deal. But if there's water leaking, if the house is on fire, call us, okay? We need to know about this ASAP. So there's certain things. So, you know, dealing with tenants is a one-off type of thing. Um, but again, these are people, you want to work with them. There's a happy medium between uh, pushing these tenants away and, and, and not wanting to work with them. Um, and working with them and keeping them for a long time. So I would rather spend a little bit more money keeping somebody happy, but I could keep in the property for three, four, maybe five years because that money that I'm spending is actually less in the big scheme of things than the opportunity cost or the vacancy mm -hmm. and the repairs that I have to do for a new tenant. For a new tenant, and then I have to pay a property manager to lease them, and then I have vacancies. So there's so lots of things that go into with that into said, play there. The one thing I will add on to that is that your problem tenants, once you get up to a certain number, even if you just again you were unlucky and you you screened a tenant well, but you still end up being uh, someone who calls once a month for a maintenance issue, and it's a big deal each time, and they they require you to come out and fix stuff, fire your tenant. So at the end of their lease, don't let them come back. I mean, it's as simple as that. Just say, yeah, I'm, I'm gonna, not renewing. I'm yeah, not renewing not. your lease. And a lot of leases have, um, you know, have 30 day outs on the, on the, uh, on the lease or side that just says, you know, I can give you 30 days notice to where you have to vacate the property. So maybe that's something to consider if you're in certain areas that that may be required. Right. Well, and that's why we go with one year leases. Uh, quite a bit. I mean, I think uh, our property manager almost only does one-year leases for that reason. However, we do Which offer tends... price breaks sometimes for the two years, mm -hmm. which is I love doing. So let's say a property rents for eight seventy-five. You know, I usually will throw it out when I'm doing a showing or a leasing appointment with them to say, "Hey, I know this may not matter to you, but if you wanted to do a two-year lease versus a one, it's only eight twenty-five. So I'll literally take like fifty dollars off a month." 
So what's fifty dollars a month times twelve months, Mike? Six hundred bucks. Mm -hmm. So I'm gonna I'm gonna basically reduce my my rent over the course of a year by a total of six hundred bucks. However, uh, one month vacancy I would lose eight hundred and seventy five dollars anyway, or eight twenty five, whatever. And I'd have to fix that place back up. Mm -hmm. So we often will do you know fifty, maybe even as much as a hundred dollar discount if it's a twelve to fifteen hundred dollar rental property a month to say you know we're gonna throw this out there. And you know, I'll be honest. Twenty-five percent of the time, people say, "Hey, I don't really feel like moving in a year anyway." So you're telling me if I sign a two-year with you, I can pay you less money, and it's almost like you know that they won that thing. You're like, "Yeah, let's do it." You want to sign a four-year? Give you a hundred dollars off. You yeah. know, so no, that's another strategy as well. Again, so. it's, it's all uh, there's different ways to do it. No, no one of them is right or wrong. It's whatever kind of makes sense for you and your business. So, Love it, man. Love it. Yeah. So, so maintenance. Let's talk about. Uh, I think we've talked about that a little bit. What else do you think? Um, well, how do you how do you handle maintenance? So typically, you're going to get a phone call. You may get an email. It depends if you're using a property management software. It's either going to come into you or it's going to go to your property manager. Then what do you do? Well, in our case, we have people that we're already working with: contractors, general contractors, subcontractors, that we will send out to help us do those maintenance items. Um, and then we will pay those people directly and then we may or may not bill back the tenant. If you're dealing with a property management company, they will probably have their own maintenance people. So one thing I do want to talk about really quickly while we're on this topic is just because you hire a property manager doesn't mean that you're not managing anymore. Okay, maintenance is the main thing, I think personally, that needs to be looked at and managed when dealing with a property manager because maintenance is a profit center for a lot of property managers. So the typical rate that we're familiar with, and it could be very different in lots of parts of the country, is eight to 12%, call it 10% is a good average on what a property manager is gonna charge you a month. Well, this is you know something that most people, you probably haven't heard before, but you know of a property manager's business income, Typically, only about 50% of it comes from the actual management fee. The rest of it comes from the markup of their services. So maintenance, they're going to mark up the materials and the labor. So if you if they send somebody out to do a $100 repair, they're going to probably bill you $300. So again, that is a profit center. So you want to make sure that you are doing the maintenance yourself or that you are working with somebody that you trust. However, if you've hired this or subbed this out to a manager, that's okay, but make sure you stay on top of them and you manage those expenses because a couple bad maintenance things can throw off your cash flow for the entire year. That's a really good tip. Yeah, and, and a lot of people don't realize that, that uh, property managers do charge. We're lucky enough, we have one who doesn't and we do our own maintenance. That, yes, yeah, so we have a hybrid model with ours. We do. We, so pay, uh, we pay 8%, which is on the low side, um, however, we do give him leasing. So we don't we don't do that ourselves and we haven't outsourced it to another person. He's doing that too. So he gets 75% of the first month's rent. Again, another profit center. But that's time. I don't want to deal with people. I want him to do that. I want to deal with the property. So he makes 75% of the first month's rent. And then any maintenance that he gets, it, it included in his 8%, he just he just is the communicator. He sends it over to us and then we work with the subs. That's how our business operates. Yours might be different. Mm -hmm. And you just got to kind of figure out what works best for you. 
But we like to deal with with the property, and we like him to deal with the people. Yeah, that's a great way to say it. So there is going to be maintenance on your properties, even if you just even rehab. if you just rehabbed it. I love that. That's going to have so true. It happens. Um, tenants. It happens uh, ten out of ten times. <laughs> just, <laughs> is that fair to say? Yeah, just about. <laughs> yeah, and then uh, St. Louis summers, man. We have had. So many AC service calls, it's uh, it's just not fun to hear, hey, we're replacing another system. So again, if those systems are super old when you buy the property, you may want to go ahead and rehab that or replace just that Just kind of fix time. that glitch in advance. Exactly, because it's not deal fun it for you. Point. It's not fun for the tenants. So let's talk about some have... of the maintenance things that you're seeing, Mike, because you're handling a lot of this on in our business. You've seen a ton of them come through, just sure. on average. What are you seeing? Is it leaky faucets? Is it doors aren't closing? Um, is yes. it, is it, yes. um, and yes, yes. And yes. Like just yeah, all that all type of, of stuff. So let's, well, and then, so let's, let's talk run through just a couple of things that you should be able, that you should basically, um, so your service calls be expecting are, your service calls are going to be seasonal as well. That's I know that point. sounds weird, it's a very good point, but they are. So, uh, just I mean, a few months ago, we were dealing with a, a multiple calls of leaking basements. That was in the, in the spring in the rainy spring. season. It's raining constantly. Right. So why do you get so many leaky basements? Well, two reasons. One, either gutters are clogged or there's a drainage issue in the on the property itself with the um, the slope of the land, or just uh, yeah, like the, like I said, the gutters are clogged or they're not uh, being directed, diverted away from the foundation. So again, that's that's one that's pretty pretty frequent. The the other one I was just talking about is air conditioners. So here in St. Louis, temperatures you know they they fluctuate wildly. And all of a sudden, everybody's got their AC on on the same day. So we get hammered with uh, air conditioner service requests uh, in a short period of time. And it really just kind of depends on when the tenant decides to kick that AC on and how cold they like it. But eventually those ACs do go out and they need to be replaced or serviced. So we've gotten a ton of those. Uh, but what else are we looking at? Let's pull them up. Let's yeah, just yeah, kind of sure. look at just some of the recent ones. Maintenance. I'm actually was. curious. We're going to learn all this together, guys. Yes, we've got 78 total in the past since we set this up. And this here. is probably maybe four months, five months old. Now we yeah. do have 40 plus properties in here too, so there's a lot. Mm -hmm. But again, uh, let me think about that. 78 service calls. So we've got it set up. We can actually see. Uh, so I look at this one property. I can look at my property on Alma, and what the heck. Oh, yeah, this is just one service call. But if I go back to the property here, so we use Podio for everything, mm -hmm. uh, and we track everything, I can see they've only had one service call on this property. What was it for? This one is, go back, is an HVAC. Okay. So like I said, that's just one of the things that, that happens. So here I can look at all the ones that are resolved here. We'll sort them by date, and then we can just pop through them. Uh, if we scroll down here. Uh, so this one was the stairs were loose. So they so had to re-secure some stairs. So it could be anything, guys. That's the point. This one's a leaky fridge. Go to the next fridge one. Fridge was leaking. Next one we have is... A fridge went another out. Another fridge goes out. Next one we have is a garage door's not working. Garage door's off the tracks. And this that tenant is actually, and I know this, here if I look at this property... Langholm? I can see that this person puts in service requests pretty frequently. Oh, wow. Let's eight see. of them. I've got eight service requests for this property in... You but know, look, so look, three or four of them basically are declined. Well, three because of them, yeah, they were the same service request. The same request. It, it was, and that was a leaky basement. So that one was kind of so much you can do. Well, it's so much you can do, and you can only get so, the guy out there so fast. Sometimes so you get to buy a tenant in, in a mop. Two weeks. Yeah, exactly. You've got 
Put a fan Sorry, down. I can't do anything Put for you right down now. down there, and it'll it'll help keep the air moving and dry right. it up. So, yeah, there's there's just a lot of different things. And, again, you've got to be compassionate with the tents because they're living there, and they want to live in a nice home. Uh, sure, but then here's another one. This is an HVAC. Um, what else we got? A plumber. This one, the city had turned off the water, or they weren't getting enough pressure, and it was the city was doing uh, repair work. So again, there was nothing that, nothing we could that do. you can do. But again, we're just going to hear. About but they're going to you're going to hear about it, and that you got to have you have to kind of have some tough skin in this business, because sometimes tenants are going to give you lip on the phone. They're going to have an attitude with you, especially if you're dealing with 40, 80, 100 properties, and you can't drop what you're doing and get out there. There might be a 24 or 48 hour period that you say, yeah, it's. It's, you know, it's on the top of our list. We're gonna get there when we can, but we might have pressing you know, matters. So you have to just you know, try to be cautious to let people know, hey, you know, I appreciate you calling. Trust me, this is a priority for me, just like it is for you. That's why you're calling. And as soon as we can get to it, we're gonna get to it. Because again, people are gonna sometimes come off and they're gonna be rude. They're gonna say, I'm paying 12 to 1400 bucks a month to live here and my shower's dripping, you know, well, that's one small problem that we're gonna work on. We're gonna get that fixed for you, but you also have 1,400 square feet of other space that you're paying us for too. Mm -hmm. So, you know, you kind of got to brush these things off uh, sometimes, but that's okay. Yeah. Well, and some of them, again, you do want to be sympathetic, like a heat going out in the winter, AC going out in the yeah. summer. And there's those been are, times when I've, are... when I've actually prorated people's rent. Like I, most people would never do that, but I actually care about people, you know, and, I, and there's been times yeah, where- Yeah, you give them a discount. Yeah, or yeah. if it's freezing cold in the winter, and the furnace goes out. And guess what? I can't get my HVAC out for three days. I've paid for people's for hotel rooms. Again, you know, we're gonna do what it takes to make them happy with us, but at the same time, while also limiting the amount of expense that we have to incur mm -hmm. to, to, to find that happy medium to where we have a good tenant-landlord relationship. That's what I was looking for. I love it. That whole time. Yeah. Tenant-landlord so relationship. So this one, Dave, here, we'll, go, we'll do one last one just to kind of reemphasize the point that I was talking about earlier. This one, the tenant is saying, is there any way we can get a 220-volt uh, plug for my electric dryer? So this is, again, and he said something about the lattice work is whatever. So this is going back to a tenant move in just at, I want a list. I mean, yeah, I give really it to me want... before you move in because then it's it's going to be cheaper, more efficient, quicker, all the above if they're not there. If they're there, now I have to coordinate with them and my contractor. There's no more, a lot, there's no longer a lockbox. Well, and I, again, I don't mind that either though because I think after a month of living there, they kind of know what is different to them because when people move, they kind of want the same things they had before. Sure. They want oh, well, this, this doesn't work the same way as mine. They want it to work the same way. Right. So it's like, again, there's there's something, and this one is a 220. So what are you going to do with this? this is, I don't even know anything about this. So they're asking for a 220 volt for a dryer, mm -hmm. and then they want us to put up some lattice around a deck to make it probably look prettier. Yeah, it was like it or was keep critters off. out. Yeah, yeah, right. keep the critters out. We, we just did it. Cool. So we just said, hey, mm -hmm. great. And yeah, again, that goes into us building that landlord-tenant relationship. Right. We want the tenant to be happy. What was our cost on this? Just guesstimate. I I'm, honestly, this one was one of our kind of in-house guys, so nothing. Yeah, so maybe I mean, maybe it, fifty to hundred bucks. I'll call it hundred bucks in, in labor. Opportunity cost. So he could be working on one of our other projects. That's about it. That's about it. Well, yeah, so hundred bucks. We paid him, but yes, yeah. of course. But yeah, absolutely. But again, now that tenant's like, wow, they went out of their way to install an electrical line for me to plug right. in a dryer, right? So I can be clean. Well, they care about me, right? Again, and we went was... out of our way to do the lattice. I'm just saying, it's not a big deal. But we've done what we needed to sure. do to strengthen our relationship. So on the second or the third of the month, 
we haven't received their rent yet and we have a property manager call or that could be you to say hey not trying to bother you but i haven't received your rent yet they're going to be eager to be like oh you, you scratched my back let me scratch yours let me make sure i get it to you today and that's mm -hmm. really what you want to create a good relationship uh, between the tenant and the landlord for so you can get your rent on time and then you can keep that place occupied all right i think we've talked enough today about uh tenants and toilets Tenants and toilets. Tenants and toilets, part One of our of my first favorite strategy. episodes. Guys, if you're just starting in real estate investing, uh, thank you for joining us and be sure to check us out on the free wholesalecourse.com. Thanks, guys. Until next time. Welcome back to season two of the Discount Property Investor Podcast. Our mission is to share with you what we have learned from our experience and the experience of others to help you make more money investing like a pro. We want to teach you how to create wealth by investing in real estate the Discount Property Investor way. Make sure you never miss an episode and download the Discount Property Investor app in Google Play or iTunes today. To jumpstart your real estate investing career, visit freewholesalecourse.com, the most complete free course on wholesaling real estate ever. Thanks for tuning in.